This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Leicester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Start with Chris, add a dash of sport, squeeze in some music, then shake, don't stir. And you've got the ultimate blend, LTID, with your host, Chris. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good day, good night. Hello, how are you all? Welcome along uh, to what is going to be an exciting weekend. Uh, New manager in, Uh, unfortunately it's Manchester City we're playing, but... You can't have everything. And we're going to kick off the weekend with a special in conversation with. And I do feel honoured that because when I started getting into uh, following Leicester, this was the my, my, my time, if you like. These were my, my sort of just getting into Leicester, watching them, as in going down to see them. Obviously, in, in the early seasons of the Wellingtons and the Wellers, I obviously followed Leicester. This one, I started going down regularly when I had my own money if you like. So I was able to go down for every home game. And this guy was one of those players that um, was here for the eight well, from 1980 to 1982. Um, had a bit of a varied career. We'll, we'll talk to him about that. But it was a time when you'll remember either a certain South American country invading some islands that until that point none of us ever heard of, or a very interesting FA Cup quarterfinal game, which I'm sure we will touch on at uh, some point during the show. Uh, good evening, David. How are you? Welcome along. So let's bring him in. 16 years in first-team football, football agent, Martin O'Neill's chief scout, and now he's a banker. What went wrong? Let's ask him. Jim, good evening, sir. And thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Chris. My pleasure. Good. Thank you very much. Now, you've been busy today. I mean, you said it's teeming down with rain there, which it's been like that all day here. Uh, but you've been out on the golf course today for a very good cause. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was lucky enough to play, um, obviously, Tunbury, which is owned by the ex-president of the United States. Um, oh, yes, of and course, yes. That- there's a there's a hospital up here called the Beatson, uh, which not a lot of people in Leicester will have heard of, but they do absolutely astonishing work with cancer patients, etc. So, as is, is with a lot of NHS um, hospitals, they they try to raise extra funds by having fundraising events, and today's golf was one of them. Fantastic that you did it, and uh, you raised lots of money. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm more happy that you can understand what I was saying after the slagging you gave me five minutes ago. <laughs> hey, you, you can thank Steve Lynix for that. <laughs> he said to say hello, uh, but said that might be the last thing that I understand you saying back to me. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> but of course, you were part of that team. But let's talk about your early days. Um, obviously, we can tell from the accent, you're obviously Irish born and bred. Um, <laughs> you started that's out. Not the, that, that's not the right thing to say to a Glaswegian, by the way. No, it probably isn't. And I thought <laughs> it's maybe gone Welsh rather than Irish. But uh, I do, I do apologise. But look, you started out. Partick Thistle uh, was your, your first um, professional uh, uh, club. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get to that stage? Um, well, I signed for Thistle, what is basically an associated schoolboy form in, in England, uh, mm-hmm. when I was 13. And Thistle had just won the League Cup. They'd beaten Celtic 4-1, which is uh, wow. still, you know, lauded that Thistle is the greatest result ever. Well, it, to be fair, yeah. it is. So I, I basically, um, I played for my school, I played for Glasgow schools, I played for Scotland schools, um, and then turned professional. My father wouldn't allow me to go full-time because um, it was kind of old-fashioned and he made me take a trade, which I became an electrical engineer. Um, soon as my time was out, um, the great man came for me, Jock, Jock Wallace, um, who in conversations during negotiations with Leicester City, um, he informed me that he tried to sign me five times for Glasgow Rangers. Now, um, Glasgow Rangers are my team. That's the team I watch every, every Saturday. Um, so... Um, whilst I was, it was great to um, to know that, I was absolutely delighted to join Le- uh, Jock at Leicester. I mean, you must look at. I mean, Glasgow or South. Well, obviously, you, you would you'd want Glasgow Rangers, but uh, I mean, did was there a little bit of you that thought, "Damn, <laughs> I wish I'd, you know, wish that had come off." Yeah, yes and no. Um, I, you know, it's one of those that you know when the opportunity opportunity came along. Uh, to go to Leicester, I embrace it because the Leicester people, you know, they're very good people. I didn't know anything about Leicester before I came, other than they got promotion. Didn't even know where they were um, uh, geographically in, in the Midlands. Um, but when I came down, I soon got to to feel that, that, that for me they were very warm, they were good to me, um, and all the time I was there, and and for that I'll always be grateful. Oh, that's nice, very nice for you to say that. Um... Talk to me about Jock, because I know Steve. Uh, I used to go to school with Gary Lineker. Uh, I know uh, Alan Young very well, uh, all part of that team. And I don't think I've ever heard anybody say a bad word against Jock Watts. Alan Young basically describes him as, as being like a father figure. Jock, Jock had his way of working. Jock um, was a different Jock Wallace in Scotland with Rangers than it was with Leicester City. Um, in Scotland, players are treated a certain, a certain way. They're kind of bullied a little bit. The manager's the guy. He is the gaffer. He's the all-seeing the, the, the all eye. He's, yeah. he, he runs the team. He threatens players. In England, you can't do that. You couldn't do that. And Jock adapted to that very well. Um, and it's not often I agree with Youngie, but he's absolutely right about that. Um, Jock was a not only a father figure, but, but a really, really, really top bloke. A great man manager, um, tactically better than a lot of people gave him credit for. Mm. Um, but we were just a very, very young team in 1881. Um, and we, you know, we had some great results. We beat, we beat Manchester United, we beat Liverpool twice, we, you know, but we just couldn't produce those for that form for the teams around us. And eventually that that caught up with us and and, and we got relegated. I think it was the we were the first team to do the double over Liverpool in God knows how many years, and the first team to win at Anfield. And I think we even scored. I think we beat them. Was it two one? And we scored the, their goal for them as well. Something. Yeah, Youngie scored that. Uh, we scored three goals that day, and Youngie got one of them. So uh, it was all right. And uh, <laughs> you truly got the winner. You truly got the winner. So I was. I was. It was a good day that that day. Um, fact, it was. Um, we were, we, were, we were a decent side, but just a little bit immature in terms of age and experience. It was an exciting time to watch, though. And, uh, I mean, 
you know, the promotion year and, and, and getting up there, unfortunately coming, you know, back down so soon. But like you say, mm-hmm. maybe we just went up a season too soon, do you think? It's hard to tell. Um, you know, if, I, I think that football was, as an industry was stronger. You had more, more good teams than there is now. You get teams at the top of the English League, top of the Scottish League, top of the Dutch, the Italian, where they dominate. And that's what, and that's all down to obviously the influx of cash into the game. But yeah. there was there was a great many more footballers playing the game. There was a great many more footballers of similar ability. Um, so so your choices were were, were, were far greater um, in that time than it is today. Um, now it's just you fire at the biggest paycheck and away they go. Simple as that. It's all about money. It's not about. Um, I, I, I've said this before, I don't think that football fans really identify with players and they don't connect with players the way the way they used to. Um, you know, players are, you know, the wages, that they, the salaries that they get now, they are chief executives of their own company, basically. Um, yes. Whereas we, we went, didn't get paid that amount of money and, and we were more accessible, I would say, to the fans than, than, than the modern day player. Just going back to Partick, of course, you uh, you played for for Scotland under 18s. I mean, I always think it, you know it must be an honour to play for your country. Do you think these days it, it's less of an honour and it's just more of a chore for some players? I think there's too many internationals. I think that's the problem, and I think mm. that dilutes what you actually achieve. You know, when when you look at, I mean, Harry Kane has been magnificent for England and the goals that he scored. But you look at the number of games England played. You know, there's, there's there's tournaments. You know, there's there's two or three friendlies every year. There's tournaments yeah. every two years. Um, so I think that takes a little bit of the shine away from representing your country. Yes, yeah. And I'm just just reading here. Um, don't want to say you came down to Leicester. It was Jock, uh, and you didn't have an agent then. He just literally just phoned your dad up. Yeah, my dad. Yeah, I mean, I always remember the negotiations with Jock. It's like, right, this is what you're getting, son. Right. <laughs> this is it. This is this is. And before Jock had finished, my dad said, "Where's the contract? Where's the pen?" <laughs> that he was wasn't the, the sort of guy. That was he wasn't the, the sort of guy you argued with, though, was he? <laughs> no, he wasn't. But he was dead fair. I mean, that, that's the crazy thing about it. I mean, you got to remember that I, I was part time. I was on a hundred pounds a week, um, and I was on two pounds forty as an electrician. Right, and for a forty-hour week, uh, wow. and what he offered me was way, 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 way beyond what I thought I would ever get. I mean, I, I was thinking, ah, two hundred fifty quid a week, whatever. No, no, wasn't like that at all. Um, Jock was very, very fair, um, mm. and there was, he was right. There was no negotiation because it was, it was far better than I could have got in Scotland. Simple as that. Yeah, well, yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I believe you were at the time our most expensive signing. Yes, aye, aye. A lot of money for a part-time player, I've got to say. Mm. Um, but Jock felt that was worth it. Um, yeah. And uh, and it was, you know, he, he made the decision to buy me, which, as I say, I'll always be grateful for. Oh, yeah. Did you feel... Like you say, you know, you came as then the most expensive player. And we always wonder when, when that happens to a player, is there that extra expectation or that extra weight on your shoulders? Thinking, oh, God, you know, paid more for me no, than anybody else. Well, funnily enough, that, 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 wasn't, that wasn't the problem for me initially. Um, it, was, it was settling into full-time football. It was settling into a different culture. Because you know Glasgow, the Glasgow way of life is totally different from the Leicestershire way of life, mm. um, and that took a little bit, a little bit of of, of adjusting to. Uh, I'd arranged to, to get married in the November of that year, so there was, there was I had to buy a house. So there was lots of little things that that sort of contributed to um, settling in. That, that 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 a lot of you know you, you don't take for granted. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I'd never. Bought a house before, so I had to go through all the machinations of going to estate agents, going view houses, try and buy a house that I thought my wife might like at that time. And so there was all these sort of outside pressures rather than inside pressures because Jock was great at, um, at, at telling you what you could do. So you didn't really focus on on the price; it was just 
what was happening outside, really, outside the outside the club. No, that, that, that's good. So you were married when you came down? No, I was single when I came down, and I got married oh, in November, yeah. Ah, right. Did you... I mean, I'm just, again, reading reading about you, and you were saying you, you, you never really got homesick. No, because I made the decision to leave Glasgow, um, and it's down to me to assimilate into the local community. Um, I was quite lucky that where we bought the house just off Lubberstock Road, we had great neighbours and they made life a whole lot easier for the both of us because we were only 21 at the time. Um, Leicester people were great to me and that, and that made it really easy. It may have been a different story if if nobody wanted to talk to me and we didn't have any friends other than, mm. than, than the players at the club. Um, and, and as I say, Leicester, the Leicester the people around us were magnificent. That said, I mean, it was virtually was um, Little Celtic, wasn't there? Sorry, let's say Rangers, I should say. Um, because, there was, you know, there's a Don't lot use that swear word again. <laughs> Don't use that swear word again, right? I'm not doing very well here, am I, with my, my choice? No, you're not. Places. You're not. Go and wash your mouth out with soap. Go on. I will. I will. Won't, won't mention um, uh, Martin O'Neill. But... I mean, there was a lot of Scots in the squad, wasn't there? Yes, there was Martin. There was there was uh, there was Derek. There was Youngie, um, Ian Wilson, Kevin, Kevin McDonald, um, uh, Tommy Williams. Although you know he was, he, he wouldn't tell you he was Scottish. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we did a post um, and Billy Gibbs. So yeah, there was a, there was a fair old smattering of of, of, of Scots there, and and. What that was good for, it meant you didn't lose your accent. You didn't start to go, hey, me do yeah. you know? I can definitely assure you have not lost your accent. In fact, funny you should say this, because I've just got up on another screen here, the team from one of the, the games we'll come on to talk about. And it's got Tommy Williams. Now, next to everybody, it's either got an English flag or a Scottish flag, and there's no flag next to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Exactly what you were saying, but I mean, it was a it was a good team there. I mean, you know, you had Mark Wallington in goal, uh, yeah. John O'Neill, Williams, Larry May, uh, yeah. you had Steve obviously Lionex, Alan Young, Linnicka mm. coming through, Ian Wilson, of course. Who you don't, don't forget, don't forget the, 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 the immortal Norman Lee either. I've got to mention Big Norman Lee. Oh God, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How could we? How could we forget? But uh, it was a difficult season, like you say. Um, uh, but I think we performed better. I think if I remember rightly, we performed better in the second half of the season than we did in the first half. Mm. We actually sort of got to grips with it, but it was just it was just a little bit too late, you know. If we did that from day one, then it might be very very a different story. Yes, well, yeah, it could 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 well have been, but I mean, that's football for you. I mean, look at the current Leicester squad. We don't know where we're going to be playing next season yet, so uh, fingers crossed. Um, but we had a really good cup run that season, mm. um, which um, uh, <laughs> we we I always remember that where I, where I worked at WH Smith in the town centre at the time. And there was two of us that both liked football. And we weren't allowed to both have the Saturdays off. So we kind of we said, well, we'll go to one round and then the, the, the other lady would go to the other and would alternate like that. And I was so happy because I got the semi-final, but she had the quarter-final. And looking back, and I wish I'd been there. But I remember coming out and the fifth goal going in, and you could hear it in it, almost in the town centre. You could hear oh, this cheer. Yeah. I mean, you you must you had no idea of doing that game kicked off. What was going to what was going to happen that game? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, for the first thirty-five minutes, I sat and watched it. Um, uh, on the bench, um, and we started quite well. We started very well, in fact, because mm. Larry scored by a great header. Yeah. Um, and then there's an appalling tackle. Even even in my day, that was that that was an appalling tackle by Chick Bates. Ridiculous yeah. tackle. He used to be sent off for that. Um, I think the mistake we made, if that's if that's the right expression to use, was not taking taking Mark off sooner, mm. um, because the two that we lost 
I think that Warren would never have let them in. Um, no. particularly the I think he says that himself, doesn't he? Really, but he was on such a great run of of, of he, consecutive games, though, wasn't he? He, could, he couldn't move. Yeah, I mean that, and that that was a tragedy. It was about five or six games away from the record, mm. um, and he got that injury. Um, I always remember, I always remember the second goal going in. And, and looking at Eddie Kelly, and he went, "Get him off! Get him off!" You know, <laughs> um, but that wasn't out of malice. That was because Matt, Matt wasn't doing himself any justice. He couldn't move. You know, he couldn't yeah. move. So um, it eventually came off, and um, and then it all unfolded when we had the two goalkeepers. Yeah, you know? um, Mr. Line X, and I've got to say that was Line X's best performance of the season, by the way. <laughs> Twenty minutes he was in goal. <laughs> he always says to me that he actually he wanted to go in goal. Yeah, no, Jock wanted me to go in goal, right? But Scotty said we didn't have a good record for Scottish goalkeeper, so that was never going to happen. No, um, no. <laughs> well, so, he was a goalkeeper um, himself, I, wasn't he, Jock Wallace? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, so um, you know, Youngy get injured. He banged his head, whatever he did. Um, mm. Stevie went in goal. Youngie then made a miraculous recovery. He came down the tunnel and went back into goal. Stevie came out. The first thing he did was cross the ball on me and I scored the third goal. That was it. We never looked back from there. Did, did, when that was happening, did all the players that didn't want to go to goal sort of start not trying to make eye contact with no, you? No, we, just, we, we just disappeared. We disappeared yeah. over the other side of the park so we couldn't hear anything. Yeah. So I think is that your name is shouting. No, no, I think it's yours. I think it's yeah. fine. I mean, it it was really the most amazing game, wasn't it? You know, I mean, and you got two in that game. I did, yeah, I did. Yeah, I got headed at the end as well. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, it was it, it it's one of the best games I've ever played in because it had everything. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I think you you probably know that Mark Bishop wrote a book about it. Um, mm. And he kindly asked me to do the foreword for him. And by the way, the foreword is all my own work, all that posh, see all the posh words and the, the, and the correct grammar. That was me. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's the, the book done has done the game, worthy, it's been worthy of, of writing it because it was it was a great day. It was a great event. Um, a lot of people, I'm guessing, would still remember it, you know, young boys oh, to yes. old men. You know, um, it's a, it was the best. I mean, the atmosphere that day was absolutely unbelievable, um, and uh, and we got the right result at the end. I mean, I mean, the watch is on YouTube. I watch it regularly, um, and and it is the certain games. It, I suppose for everybody there, it was one of those "I was there" moments. You know, mm, I, absolutely, I, I, absolutely. I often say that with the you know the five three over Man United and the first Champions League game with my son. Um, but that, if you were there, you wouldn't. You know, you, you <laughs> the atmosphere. Like I say, it was just unreal. Uh, and yeah. you know, I mean, I, 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 I've got to say, Chris, I think that um, the old stadium with the old main stand that we had Street, was the best atmosphere. I don't think when we put the new stand in at Filbert Street, it did to get replicated. There was more people sitting in the stand, but they couldn't they couldn't generate the same amount of noise. Um no. and and the new stadium, um again, I think a lot of this is down to the modern fan. I think that modern fans in the past, modern fans are older fans, they they raised our game, they cheered us on. And they they're shouting and made a good atmosphere, and that G does on. Now they're sitting back to degree, uh, and they're saying like, "Show me something good before a cheer." Mm. Before I say it's good, show me, just show me. Now that happens. I mean, I, as I say, I, I go and see Rangers. Um, I've got a season ticket, and I go there, and that's exactly the attitude that the fans have got there. Show me something that makes me want to stand up and clap and shout, and that is not necessarily the role of the fan. It's the other way about. Mm. And. <sighs> The new stadiums, and I don't think it's just the King Power uh, Walkers, as it was then, you know, first known. I think a lot of the new grounds, they don't have the atmosphere of the old stadium. They're kind of soulless, you know, and I think a lot of that has got to do with the fact that everybody's sitting, Chris. I think that when people stood up and watched the game, you get more people in and there was a, I, 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 I dare not use this word, but an, intis, an intimacy in mm. 
what in the game he was had a vested interest and jumping up and down and you know keeping himself warm and there was just you know and you knew everybody around you. I mean, again, when I was a boy, we got the Ibrox and we'd stand at the same barrier every week, and everybody around us were the same people that were there week in, week out, season in, yeah. season out. Um, and and I think that you know I think the other thing is well we, we had the Spain Cup where the most of the noise came from initially, um, mm. and and it's again it's like the Etihad at Manchester when they had they had the cop in Manchester they you know they didn't put that block into an area of the of the stand and of course they were dissipated and what happens is you lose that vocal support from 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 a a, a, a concentrated group of people. So there's, there's obviously the old talk always about standing areas coming back. Um, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I totally understand why, you know, it went down that route uh, and the decisions that, that led to that. But I think... I think let, it let me ask you a question. But you're, you're saying that, but let me ask you a question, particularly about Hillsborough. If, if, if the fencing wasn't there, how many people do you think would have died? I'm thinking none because they'd have all got overspilled. There may be some minimal casualties, but yes. the thing the thing that caused the problem that day was they couldn't get out. Mm. You know, and the crush was taken from the back and it was up against the fence. It was in it was in the, the um in the tunnel, you know, and if that was allowed a bit of free movement, then you might have found that certainly a lot of people may have got injured, but but not necessarily were killed. No, you you you're, you're quite right, and the problem is, uh, I mean, I'm I'm an old, I'm 62 now. I'm getting ready for you know me 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 me, me coffin, but yeah. I see it these days. I mean, recently you had fans running on and attacking uh, Patrick Vieira, Everton, uh, and I think sometimes I think others. Well, I mean, every, and I'm not blaming football fans. Obviously, I'm a football fan myself, but there's always that one idiot that will ruin it for everybody else. Of course there is. And that's mm. the one you can't legislate for. You can't, you know, you can, with the, with the best will in the world, you can prepare for for most most scenarios. Yeah. But, but you know, if there's a random, you've got no choice. You don't know what he's going to do. No, no. Simple as that, you know. No. And by oh, the way, I, you're, you're 62. Yeah. Do you want me, I'll tell you, I'll recommend you my plastic surgeon. How about that? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'll ask for that. I've asked for that. I'll, <laughs> I'll have to take it on the chin or, or what there is of it anyway. But uh, fair play, mate. Fair play. Um, but yeah, it, it's. I, I think because you, you've got the choice of if you want to sit, there are seats down the side. There always were. But if you want to stand, I can remember standing, you know, in, in, in Cop One, Spy on Cop One with my mate. And we're playing Chelsea at one Friday night, and it was scary. That was the one each game in the second division. Yes, it was. Yeah, was that, was that the was that the eighty two eighty three season? It would be around then, I think. One yes. all. Yeah, because yeah. Leicester. I mean, <laughs> Leicester. There, there was fireworks yeah, yeah. before we started off in the family stand. Um, Leicester never doing what Leicester. You could trust Leicester to do. They went and scored. <laughs> that upset the Chelsea fans. I actually, there was about six to ten Chelsea fans broke through from the visit, you know, their cop into 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 cop one, and we all just ran into the corner. I mean, God knows why. But then I tried. To, I mean, I left at half time. There was a stabbing that night, I believe, and I left at half time, and I couldn't get out. I had to get a policeman to unlock the door, and again, you would never get that now with health and safety. No, but, uh, no, but no, absolutely not. We 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 we, we digress for the minute, but I want I want to come back onto Rangers certainly in, in in a second. But um, the semi final, we're off to uh, we're off to Villa Park. Uh, yeah. The Argentinians have invaded, like I said earlier, a group of islands that none of us had ever heard of. I remember sat on the train uh, with the Sun newspaper, and it went, "It's war." <laughs> the sun being under understated as always. Mm. Um, it was that was just one game where nothing went our way, did it? No, I mean especially with the goal that Ian, the OG that Ian scored. You know, um, mm. he pulled it down lovely and, and tried to put it back to to Mark, and unfortunately put a little bit too much on it. 
It's a great finish, mind you, to be fair. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> the wrong end of the park. I don't think you'll um, say it like that. <laughs> no, I know, but but it is, it is, it is it's some finish. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, that was it. It, it. it didn't work for us that day. Um, I can't put my finger on why it didn't work. Um, mm. But it just didn't. And sometimes that happens. It, it, you know, it doesn't work for no reason other than it just doesn't happen. Yes, yeah. Um, did Ian break his leg in that game? No, Tommy Williams broke his leg. Tommy Williams, that was it. That was it. Yeah. Um, uh, and, of course, you, you came on. Uh, you, I think you, well, it says here you replaced Alan Young. Yeah, I got 20 minutes or something that day. Um, yeah. I- Score for the second goal. Oh, I came on just just before the second goal, if I remember rightly, because that was virtually the first kick of the ball that I had when we took the centre. Um, yes. But it was it, it it didn't work for us, and 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 there's nothing worse than getting beaten a semi final. You know, yeah. getting beaten a final is bad enough, but at least you've got there and you've mm. you know you've tried. But to get beaten a semi final, you've got the taste of the final um, in your mouth. Um, and then uh, you get you lose, and that's it. And you know, and the crazy thing about it was that if we got to the final, we'd have beat QPR because QPR beat West Brom in the other semi final mm. uh, at Highbury, if you remember. Uh, and and, and we, I think we, we'd beaten QPR a couple of times that season, uh, both home and away, and uh, certainly at home, we beat them 3 1. But um, yeah, yeah, it was a big disappointment. These days, and I, I am, I, I really don't agree with this at all. But the semi-finals, obviously, these days are played at, at Wembley. Uh, mm. Now, surely, to me, that even as a fan, I don't want to go to Wembley to watch my team unless it's in a final. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that was. I mean, you know, Wembley was a showcase. That was where everybody wanted to play the FA Cup. But, but having said that, I think that a lot of foreign managers have devalued the FA Cup by not playing. The first eleven, um, yeah. I think that um, they protect the squad. I mean, I, I don't quite see this rotation carry on. Um, you know, as a footballer, you want to play in every game, and I don't think that footballers today want to play in every game. They're quite content to play one and three or whatever it is. And this yeah. this rotation, all rotation tells me is the manager doesn't know who his best team is, because mm. if you look in the past, if you look at the teams who win the league, they use the they use normally use the least number of players. Um, because what they've done is they've, they've allowed their team to build into, build up form um, and momentum. Um, I don't think you quite get that in, in the game today. Um, I don't think that, that uh, you know, it's, it's, the game's changed, but there's no doubt about that, you know. Oh, um, yes. And there was, there was no such thing as the good old days because we, we had our issues in that day as well. Mm. But I just think that that, that that my generation of players could do things that the modern generation can't can't do. But what I will say is that in, in terms of um, explosive power and pace, they're, uh, they're quicker and bigger than us. Away days are great, but when you can't play away, there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mc Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I don't think they've got the longevity in the legs that we have in terms of, of, of being able to run about the park for 90 minutes. And most certainly of all, the vast majority of them only can pass the ball the way they're facing. Mm. I, I mean, I, I, I watch on ITV4. Sorry, we overlapped there. I watch on ITV4, uh, the big match revisited, and it shows a lot of sort of 70s, 80s uh, football. And my God, 
I mean, if they played like that these days, you'd end up with two versus two. Well, I'm going to tell you a tale. My, my, I'm, I'm great friends with Gordon Smith of Gordon Smith or Smith Moore Score thing. Gordon and I were teammates at City. And we, Gordon's got a friend who is a Premier League referee. And a couple of years ago, uh, just before the pandemic, we were, were talking about the game today. Now, I, I think that referees have forgot one fundamental, right? And that's this, is that we can play football without referees. They can't referee without football. And they think they are an integral part of the game. And they're not. They're arbitrators. They're there to make sure that, 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 that everybody behaves themselves. But I took out I took out a DVD of one of the old games and I said, right, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll give you a game from 1985. I want you to referee it and tell me what you say, what you think. In 20 oh. minutes, he'd book in 20 minutes, he'd book 20 and sent off 11. <laughs> yeah. And it, wa it wasn't even a dirty game. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Um yeah, I, I, I know, I know, you just couldn't. But then again, when you look at some of the pictures that you played on, they were like mud baths, weren't they? Oh, brilliant. Absolutely. I mean, the far better, the pitches now is like playing on the street because they're all sand, they're American. The, the grass roots, the roots actually bend and come up and take the water from the surface. That's why the pitches have got grass on them. Whereas we got to, got to Easter weekend and it was bare right down the middle and they were bumpy and they were all sorts. But when they were wet, they were great. They were great fun. <laughs> I remember, were you in that game at, uh, I think it was against Southampton when it was that rainy that Steve Lynx actually did a swim on the pitch he can't swim <laughs> he, he I'm floats. not saying he was doing a good job of it but he, he floats yeah. <laughs> I'll tell him that he floats he I'll tell him do that, that. <laughs> I'll, t I'll tell him myself I'll phone him when I'm finished and I'll give him some stick <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, did you were, were you there when when Jock left, or or did you leave after Jock left? Yeah, no, I was there. It was Gordon Gordon Milner got rid of me and and brought in that world class player. What was his name again? Uh, was it Ronaldo? No, it was Tom English. Um, so, um, <laughs> yes, I was trying uh, to forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, Jock Jock can I disappointed me um, and, I, and I guess the rest of the players because he never said cheerio and I know mm. Jock, Jock is my Jock is my eldest boy's uh, godfather and at the christening when I just I'd gone home to Celtic um, Jock came and he apologised for not coming and speaking to the boys um, I don't know the circumstances in which he left I'm guessing it was because mother will offer them a lot more money than less they were giving him it um, but I don't think that the gaffer did cover themselves in glory in his exit. I, th I think it was a shock to everybody. Um, I think the official line at the time was was homesickness. They wanted to go back to Scotland, uh, mm. but there was no no hint of it in, at, at the club or, or that Jock gave. He, was he unhappy or no? No, I, I don't think that Jock was ever homesick. I think Jock was a pragmatic man. Um, and he, you know, he gave his heart and soul to Leicester City. Um, what I, I, you know, as I say, we weren't privy to any any reasons from going home because he, he never came and spoke to us. But there was never any suggestion at training or, or anything like that that that, that Jock was going to just up sticks and go. Yeah. I've got to say, um, the next two clubs because Gordon Milne. You, you, I say he, he, got, he got rid of you to Tom English. And I can remember at the time that the fans were absolutely up in arms. Yeah, um, and so they should be. <laughs> <laughs> I love your modesty. <laughs> I have noted that then. I've written it down and said, he's a modest I, I think. I think, I think I, I, what I'll say is that when I was lucky with Leicester is that, you know, I didn't play well all the time, um, but when I played well, I think they enjoyed it. But I think more than anything, I put a shift in no matter what. If I was playing badly, I worked twice as hard. And I, and I think that is something that, that, that Leicester people recognise, that yeah. at least, you know, if I wasn't playing well, they would still get a shift out of me. Um, 
it broke my heart to leave Leicester. I didn't want to, I still had three years left in my contract. Um, and I didn't want to leave. Um, and I know that Gordon Mills subsequently tried to sign me a couple of times after that. Um, once when I was at Coventry and, and once when I was at City. Um, I, and I didn't know, but it's a different game then. You didn't know about these things until afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't want to go to Coventry. Um, wanted to stay where I was. But um, Gordon Milne decided that he didn't have any use for me. So I wasn't going to stay where I, where I wasn't wanted. No, no. I, I, can, I can remember that, you know, no, nobody wanted you to go. Um, but uh, but go you did. And, and not just to anybody, as you mentioned there, to um, our local rivals down the M69. I, I guess at least you didn't have to move house. Uh, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. And then, now let me just get this right here, because what we were saying earlier, you left Coventry and you went where? But yeah, that place where you should wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> I went, I went, I, I went, to, I, I mean, I, I jest in all, I'm, I, I'm, I'm I jest in all honesty, but Celtic yeah. were a great club, a fabulous club. They looked after me well, great manager in David Hay. Um, but... It just wasn't for me. It wasn't a good fit. We we went home. June had just had got my eldest boy, Jim. Jim was born in Leicester Infirmary. He was born in the July. Coventry were in, in, in dire financial straits because they sold the whole team that year. Gary Thompson, Mark Haitley, Witten, Gary, Gary Gillespie, Danny Thomas, Les Sealy. We all went because um, they'd run up. In those days, Asco, um, an astronomical debt so Bobby Gould came in and I'd know you know he wanted me to stay but he said I can't because we need money we need we need to get in so they got they got well but it was 150 grand for me and uh, money for all the other lads so so that cleared their debt and gave them a, a fresh start um yeah. as I say June had just had Jim in the Leicester uh, Leicester Infirmary uh we'd lost June's mum to cancer the previous year um and a father just after Jim was born, took a bad heart attack where the prognosis wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And June was an only child. So when the Celtic thing came along, she said, I want to go home. So um, we went. I did it without thinking. Um, and um, it was not my finest moment. It's the only time I never took the advice of my father. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's something I regret. And then, I mean, you, you, you there's another couple of clubs between, but then you went and you ended up at Shrewsbury Town of all yeah, places. Yeah, yeah I'd retired <laughs> by then, though, Chris. I chucked it by then. I did enough. You know, football um, had lost its attraction, has lost its shine. Um, I had a good time at, I had a, I had a good time at Charlton, I had a good manager in Lenny. Um, very much like Jock, let me do my own thing and, you know, going forward. Um, and, um, but I, I'd fallen out of love with the game by that point. The game was, nah, you know, not for me. No. But Charlton, mentioning Charlton, you, I don't know if you still hold the record. I think you do. Charlton mm. Athletics' fastest ever goal. Yeah. Aye, and they had the oh. kickoff. Do, 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 do talk us through that. Um, it was just one of those things that um, it was a sort of a bad, it was a bad square pass that Robert Lee, Robert Lee inter, uh, intercepted, knocked it through. Goalkeeper came out, committed himself, and I just flicked it over the top of him. It was as, as simple as that, you know. Um, you know, there, there was no, there was no whys or wherefores or a, anything spectacular about it. No. The back four pushed up. Gave me half the field to run into, and and fortunately enough, I would, I was able to finish it. Well, it's always nice to have a record, isn't it? Um, but you then you went. What was it like being a football agent, and and how did that go? That went very well. Um, I was one of the first ones in, in England to get a FIFA license, which was a hundred thousand pounds in those days. Ooh, wow. Um, my first client was Neil Lennon. Um, really? and then, yeah, and that, I mean, that was how I got the job because I brought Neil to Martin. Um, I had Stevie Line, I uh, sorry, I had Stevie Line, but Stevie Line X, the bloody brain. Um, 
had Steve Lomas, I'd Steve Lomas, um, I had Paul Lambert. I took Paul Lambert out to Dortmund and brought him back. Mm. Um, and Martin wanted me, he said, Look, you know, you seem to know a player, would you like to come and work for me? And I said, Yeah, I'd love to come and work for you. Um, maybe uh, it was the attraction of two things. You're back to Leicester, you're back into the dressing room. Um, great set of lads, funny, you know. And, and what I'll say is that, you know, whenever I walked into the dressing room with the players, they never stopped talking. And to me, that was a sign of respect that they knew that, that I wasn't going to say anything, you know. Um, loved my time there. Um, Martin went back to Celtic. Um, eldest boy, 2000, Jim would be 18. He was ready to go to university. So we didn't want the upheaval of of of, of going back up or back up the road. Um, having already been bitten once by the by the Celtic thing, I wasn't going to let me get, get bit twice. So I didn't go home. No, um, I mean, again, job of a chief scout. Are you out every week watching football? Well, not every, every week, week, every night almost. Every night, every night of the week. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. Um, Martin was only in first team. Uh, I guess somebody picked up from club. We're gone. Mm, yeah. Oh, can you still hear me? I can. Yeah. Still hear me, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I was out. Yeah, I got you. I was out every night looking for you know what we wanted. Um, I think we put together a very good squad and with not a lot of money. Um, yeah. winning the league cup twice was quite an achievement. Um, so yeah, it, it was good, but 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 you know, Martin had a good team running about him. He had he had, he had Wally and he had Robbo, um, you know, and and I'd like to think myself, um, and uh, it, it was good, it was good times. Let's talk, let's talk Rangers because you're obviously a, a big Rangers fan there. I mean, we joke about Scottish football. Um, with it just having the two teams, and yet down here, virtually got the same. It just happens to be six teams. But mm. um, Rangers, they they we obviously have just got rid of a manager that we we got from the other the other the, the lesser mm-hmm. team in Glasgow. Shall we call them that? Shall we say <laughs> the smaller club in Glasgow? No, no, um, unless no, no, you want to get absolutely hammered with the Celtic fans. Well, Celtic, yeah. we'll see about that. They don't, they don't like us Celtic. in Leicester anyway, after what we did to yeah, them. But... Celtic club, but the famous are the best. Well, what was it? Because, of course, when, you know, we look and say, oh, you know, look what, you know, um, Rogers did when he was there and all the trophies. But most of his time there, Rangers weren't even in the same division. Absolutely. Rangers went through a liquidation. Um, yeah. Uh, they had, you know, they had to restructure. They had to come back. They were relegated to the lowest divisions. But don't take away anything from what Brendan achieved because he still had to achieve it. He still had to win the League Cup, the Scottish Cup, the League, you know, winning the trebles. He still had to do it. There were still teams there that, that whilst they're not as good as Celtic, they still had to go. You can only beat what you've got in front of you, Chris. Yeah. And he did that very well. He did that very, very well. Um, but the problem with, with, as you say, the problem with Scottish football is a very, very small pool. There's two teams. I mean, it's now we're now reaching a situation in Scotland where, in the past, it was beating Celtic or beating Rangers as long as you beat everybody else. Hmm. Now, because these teams can't beat Rangers and Celtic, it's boiling down to a four-game season. And yeah. Celtic, Celtic have got the upper hand on that right now. Um, because they played a game, you, you've got to say you give Poster Coglu a, a lot of credit. He, he's got a little guy that will score a, score goals in Scottish football. Whether we do it in English football, I'm not sure. Um, but they played a game in a really, really exciting way. They attack teams, they spread teams all over the shop. They get the ball forward quickly, and they deserve the success that they've got. But they play the game in the right way. Mm. I've got to ask you, as, as a Rangers fan, say two words to you and see what your reaction is, because I actually spent New Year's Eve with a Rangers fan, which was very interesting. Uh, <laughs> and he, he, he wasn't the only one that was drunk, surprisingly enough. Yeah. But um, Stephen Gerrard. Now, Stephen Gerrard won, won one to... 
he'll go down as, as the man who stopped 10 in a row. But you have to understand as well that, that, that Celtic shot themselves in the foot that season twice. One was with a guy, Bolingoli, who went to, who was a substitute at Kilmarnock and, and, and flown out the country the week before during the pandemic. Um, and he closed Celtic down effectively for three weeks. So not only were they not playing games and not winning, they they were losing their fitness. No matter no matter yeah. who you are, you can't you can't replicate training yourself. Yeah. But to exacerbate that even further, they went away to Dubai in the January and did exactly the same thing again. So by the time the time the end of January came, the time the the, the, the you know the the breakup had, had, had reconvened. Rangers were so far ahead, although Celtic had games in hand, it was always going to be difficult for Celtic to catch them. So, so whilst Gerard deserves a lot of credit for what he did, you have to recognise that Celtic, Celtic kind of lost the league a little bit by not by having a couple of players and and, and themselves as a club not adhering to the COVID regulations. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and what he was saying, from my, my, my neighbour's um, son-in-law, was that it wasn't really even Stephen Gerrard that, that won that. It was the assistant manager that was making all the decisions and Stephen Gerrard was more like a figurehead. Now, I don't know how that true was because the question that I asked him that led on to that was, obviously, with him being sacked when... when at that time, I said, "Would you take Stephen Gerrard back?" And he said, "Not in a month Sundays." Stephen had, had he'd reached the point a bit like Brendan had, where he could take the club no further. Mm. Uh, all managers reached that 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 point. Um, Michael Beale is back as a manager now. Yeah. Um, he's won, I don't know, thirteen out of fifteen games. Yeah, but they're not playing good football. They're not playing good football, no matter what anybody says. It really is. It's it's laborious. Um, you know, they, they, they pass the ball too much. They won't have shots at goal from 20 yards. I mean, but Michael Beale can get results. Um, and I would like to think that this close season, there's going to be a large overhaul in the squad um, where they're going to get rid of some players. Um, because the way they're playing, you saw what Liverpool did to us. Liverpool absolutely took us apart at the seams at Ibrox. I remember, I remember leaving my seat in the stand when it was three one, and by the time I got to the to the front door, it was six. <laughs> That's how quickly they took us apart. Yeah. Um. And and, and Scottish football is is not in a good place, and has it been for many many years, many years. Um. And that is a tragedy because. When when I came to England in the first 1980, you could go to any first division, any second division team and find at least four or five Scots lads who were either in the team or almost in the team. They were all they were always around the clubs. Um and we've stopped producing players now. And and we're not a physically big country either. When you look at the English guys, the size they are, you know, the average size of a player now is about six foot one, six foot two. In my day, it was probably five foot ten, five foot nine. Um, now, size and 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 you know, and pace and power is all that matters. And, and, yeah. and that's why, um, sorry, that's why you know Scottish football is. is I mean, you look at the wee boy Billy Gilmore. He's a classic example. Yeah. Chelsea paid a lot of money for him. Can't get a game. Couldn't get a game at Chelsea. Couldn't get can't get a game at Brighton. And it's all down yeah. to his size. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you, you don't get me on that one because, you know, they, they, I sometimes think players would be better. I know they get a lot of money and it's a short career, et cetera, et cetera, but surely you want, you want to be playing, you know. But uh, but just, like, I mean, do you do you think, with? I mean, as I'm looking at the table now, for example, those who must not be mentioned on 88 points, Rangers 76, Aberdeen 50. I mean, it's kind of like, you get, you know, you get sort of March time and the season's over almost. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and that's exactly what happens when you've won club. And and let's let's be honest, you know, Celtic have, have, have deserved where they are. You know, there's, mm. there's I mean, we all joke, you know, Rangers are my team, but but sometimes you just need to put your hands up and say, well, I'm sorry, but they're miles ahead of us. And they are, they're miles ahead of us. 
the table doesn't lie, as they say. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like Leicester. I mean, Leicester have got, you know, they've got good midfield players. And for me, this season, the mistake that Brendan made was not replacing Jamie Vardy and not replacing Casper Schmeichel. Mm. I mean, Casper Schmeichel was like his dad. He, did, he, just, he, he made great saves when he needed it. It was a you know, he wouldn't say he was a great goalkeeper, he just made great saves, he had great concentration levels. Um, and he done it. And Jimmy Vardy, his pace to go behind people, and people were frightened to death of him. And and I think that that's the, the big, the two big decisions that have got Leicester where they are today. Do you think we held on to him too long, Brendan Rogers? Hmm, Brendan's a He's a disciple of um, a friend at Roma, the old Chelsea manager. Um, and he works in a three-year cycle. If you look at Mourinho and all his clubs, he has a good season, he has a really good he had a really good season, then it starts to slip and then it falls apart and he gets a sack in the, in the third season or the fourth season. Brendan is a big disciple of his and I think that the, the, the working model he has um, is similar to that. And... and, and, and you know, I think that if Leicester City were going to get rid of Brendan, they should have got rid of him earlier in the season rather than now. Yes. I think you've got 30,000 people that every other week would agree 100% with you there. But, mm. oh, you know, new, new, new managers in. Uh, Scotland, just to finish on now, uh, Scotland, Euro 2024, great start for you. Not interested. Does it not interest you at all? No. Not interested. Not interested in the Scottish team at all. It's a lot of people. Because I used to, I used to watch all England games, and then I can remember when Sven was England manager. One game, he, it was Australia, and he made ten changes at half time. And you're thinking, like, what is the guy learning from this? And like you said, when you said earlier, there's too, there's too many games. It's all about money these days, isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. Everything's about money. And everything's geared to the big clubs so that the mm. big clubs are successful, the big clubs progress in the fact. And, and, and whether it's the FA Cup or whether it's the Champions League, it's all about getting the big guys and the big guns into, into the latter stages of these. Because that's, I mean, it's like Manchester City. I had some friends went down to Manchester City to watch them play Bayern Munich. It cost them £1,400 a head. For hospitality, fourteen hundred pounds a head for hospitality. That is, it, it's it's it was. You, you can't, you know. I mean, I've got four kids. But, I can, thankfully they're not all into football because I can look never afford to beat them. Fulham have announced today they're charging three thousand pounds for their season tickets. Hmm, it's, it's ridiculous. I do. I've got because Boris has just said here. And we will make this the last one, I do promise you. I prefer to watch Leicester play Rangers and Celtic rather than Bournemouth and Southampton. Um, do you think, I mean, there's always talk about Celtic and Rangers right. you know, joining the Premier the, the League. One, the one be, the, no, that, that's never going to happen. But what is going to happen is that, and you've seen it last year with Real Madrid and Barcelona, Manchester City, there will be a European League. It's coming, whether you like it or not. It's coming. Mm. Because the big the clubs are all powerful now. Um, when you look at the, the people who own some of these clubs, their governments, right? Um, yeah. So, so what they'll be doing, I think, what's going to happen in the next five, maybe ten years, maybe before, is that they will look at the biggest clubs in England, the biggest clubs in in Scotland, the biggest clubs in Germany, Italy, and that will for there'll be enough clubs to form two leagues. Where all the money will go into that pot, and and there'll be promotion and, and relegation there as well. So you're going to have a European league. You're going to have a breakaway European league. It's going to happen, and nobody can stop it. And it will be dictated by the clubs. I mean, to be honest with you, it, it, I, I, when I said when it happened last time, and I understand you know fans don't want it, but if it happens. To be honest with you, we'll just we'll, we'll carry on without them. That's the way I look at it, you know. But absolutely. Uh, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's 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 the formula in which they're going to. You, you can't lock everybody out, okay? You can't lock everybody out. So yeah. there needs to be a feeder. There needs to be a pyramid system underneath those leagues for for clubs to to come into um, into that that arena, if you like. Yeah. Um, 
whether that's whether that's based on financial information or whether that's based on 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 the number of supporters they have or whether it's um, a competition or a knockout thing, I don't know. Um, that's a difficult difficulty of it. But you better believe that the Bayern Munichs and the Dortmunds and the Real Madrids and the Rangers, the Celtic, and the Manchester United, Manchester Cities and Liverpool, they won't care. About it. They only care. About it. Yeah, yeah, you've you've frozen again, Jim. Look, I, I, can you hear me? Okay. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't got know. You, yeah. Oops, oh, you got yeah, right. You're back. You're back. Well, Sorry. It, it, how's it? Yeah. It, yeah, is, yeah. That, is that Scottish weather, Jim? Is that Scottish weather? Look, Jim, I really do appreciate That's you coming on. Uh, it. it like I say, for me, it's I'm I'm sat here. I pinch myself every time I do one of these because I'm 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 talking to you guys that my heroes on the pitch when you know I used to go down to to Filbert Street and watch you all play. So it's your own personal time, and I really do appreciate you giving it up. Um, my, my pleasure. But always remember and, this, Chris. We're not any different to you. We've got to put our trousers on one leg at a time. <laughs> I, I was wondering where you were going there because there's another side. No, 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 no. Listen, I, I say this. I say this. That, that if 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 you enjoyed watching me play half as much as I did playing for Leicester City, then everybody's happy. Everybody's going to watch. I certainly did. I certainly did. did you hear me? And can you I just say, you you are the first player that we've actually had a request to get on the show. So somebody somebody said, "Can you not get Jim Melrose on the show?" So. No, no, nobody was they'll be saying, don't bring them back after this one. <laughs> yeah. They'll be saying, don't, don't bring them back after this one. Get them away. <laughs> well, I have to say, subtitles will be available on you on the playback. No, Jim, get that Absolutely. It's not been too bad, right? So. No, no, no. I, I've understood every word. But no, Jim, look, I really do appreciate Lovely. it. Uh, have a great weekend. Um, keep a lookout for Leicester and let's hope we can maybe get something at Man well, City. I don't I'm think done, we will, I'm, done, but... I'm done next weekend for the week. I'm done next weekend for the Wolves game. Oh, yeah. So, All right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Keep, keep a lookout for you there. Mate, look look after right. yourself and all your family. Thank you so yeah, much for giving up your time, and I really do appreciate yeah, okay. it. See you later, mate. Okay. All the best. Lovely. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Top man. Thanks very much, Chris. Good night. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you so very much for Jim. There a few a few um, internet problems we had, uh, uh, but uh, the weather is really bad up there, really bad down here. Um, and he did have to come out and come back in. But look, no, I do say this all the time. I doing this, it's I cannot believe um, the players that I get to talk to. You know, the people that I've had on the show. That I would go down, and I know, I know what Jim said, you know, about the, uh, you know, they put the trousers on the same way, and I appreciate that he went with that analogy. Uh, but yeah, it, it's I have to pinch myself to uh, to 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 see and to think what we, you know, that I'm doing this. But thanks to Jim, and thanks to people that were in the chat watching. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, hoping to get Ian Wilson, who was also part of that famous. Um, uh, squad that season uh, that beat Shrewsbury then uh, lost to Spurs. Uh, never, never bored of talking about that game. Never bored of talking about it at all. Uh, hoping to get him on very, very soon. Um, but we're going to be back tomorrow. Oh, yes, Manchester City. I'm moving my sofa in here so that I can hide behind it. Like, just pop up every now and again. Dean Smith's first game in charge. Uh, it's coming against Manchester City. A bit of a free hit. But look, I just want to see a performance from the lads. That's all we can ask for. Let's get behind Dean Smith, Craig Shakespeare and John Terry. Let's give the lads our support. We've seen them with smiles on their faces at the training ground. Let's hope they can take that through to the match. Five o'clock tomorrow, we will be here with the um, with the watch-along. We'll be talking um, regarding, obviously, Dean Smith's first press conference today and some of the main points he made. Uh, 
thank you so very much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Look, this has been LTID TV. I've been Chris. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening if you have been doing so on the podcast. This is Marilyn. Good night. These videos are so dreamy. Please like, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to click the notification bell. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.